Quantum Kickflip is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Previously on Quantum Kickflip. You're kind of public enemy number one around here. I mean, I didn't recognize you at first because he's not wearing the same armor, but you are so lucky that the High Forester has, has taken some sort of shine to you. Okay, well, if you see the High Forester again, then tell him Angus Franklin from Cernak says hi, and I want to talk. What you've got there is part of the untethering ritual. You know how you have that bond and that connection to your home plane? You're saying this dagger can... Can nullify peelback? In the future, if y'all want to investigate a thing, just say that's what you're doing. We got your back. If it makes you feel any better, when we go through Thinnispar on the way back, I will actually eat one of those cheesesteaks. <laughs> Tears are uh, welling and uh, dripping down his face uh, as he remembers he still has that cassette in his uh, Walkman, the cassette that used to belong to his mom. If you guys have anything you want to take out on me, now would be the perfect time to do it. <laughs> uh, Chester comes running all the way from the back. Uh, he, uh, and and so Charlie Ludlow, who would grow up to be Charlotte Capone, but doesn't know that yet, reluctantly introduces herself to the girl across the road who goes by Triss. They see that whatever happened to the town left scars, cracks like the ones that the vines of the Turbodendron were growing in. Places where somebody might be able to slip through to the other side if they tried hard enough. You see Tristan making a name for herself. You see her experimenting with those samples she took and discovering an element that doesn't exist within our reality. And finally, you see her return to Hillview much later with an entire crew. Each of them is outfitted with a set of powered armor, and one set looks especially familiar to all of you, because you all instantly recognize it as Chester's armor. and welcome back to Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster actual play podcast. My name is Robin. I am your host. I'm your Slug Master. Uh, and with me are five of my best and funniest friends in the whole world. Uh, and they are going to introduce themselves for you now. Um, we've been on an adventure in Quahalia, which is all about like memories and dreams and reality and fiction all blurring together. Uh, we've been reliving a lot of personal memories. I want you to introduce yourself uh, with your most your character's most embarrassing memory. And let's go, like, least embarrassing to most embarrassing. <laughs> uh, we alluded to this already. Hi, I'm Glenna. Uh, I play <laughs> Elliot Buchanan. She is the chill playbook. She has a uh, Voidware backpack, which she used to carry things like her guitar because she's an aspiring singer-songwriter. She's in a cool band called Paula the Ape Woman. She's pretty awesome. And uh, we alluded to this in an earlier episode. I think the most embarrassing thing for Elliot was that she was in Girl Guides. Oh, yeah, we did allude to that. <laughs> and that she uh, has a participation badge for not tying because she was too bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> you tried. You tried to tie some knots. She Here was go. not good. <laughs> oh my God. Does that mean you're going next, Michael? Uh, sure, I'll pop in. Uh, I don't think it's too, too, too embarrassing here. Uh, my name is Michael Vetch, and I'm here playing Nick Lowe, the Smarts Playbook, the anime-loving, sword-wielding adventure boy. And uh, I think Nick's been known to tinker with a lot of different uh, little, little inventions and works in progress. And I want to say an early sort of prototype for for sort of traversal gear before his Rift Ninja sneakers was some uh, rocket-powered pants. <laughs> um, and uh, unfortunately trying to test them out one day in in middle school he actually just 
like activated the rockets and they just fired his shorts right off him. So he <laughs> he he tech pantsed himself in front of his class. <laughs> Wait, oh, like great. up over his body? No, they like tore off. Like it just like yeah. tore off. Okay. Yeah. And then, okay. Like, oh, my pants. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm Liam. I play Lake Marsden, the heart playbook. Uh, and I believe we have established that Lake uh, is a lifeguard, spends a lot of time at the community pool, but I think maybe there was uh, some occasion while learning to swim where uh, perhaps she she tried the big diving board for the first time, uh, and it involved uh, a lot of tears, an even bigger belly flop, mm-hmm. uh, and a bunch of people <laughs> she wanted to impress may have uh, witnessed this event. So that nice. pretty embarrassed by that. Uh, hello, my name is Lena Anderson, and I play Angus Franklin. Uh, he's the Guts playbook. He's a little troublemaker. Uh, he's got the skip mode runners as his signature device, which allows him to fast forward through situations. Um, and I think shortly after, uh, getting the skip mode runners, um... Angus wasn't quite used to how they worked, hadn't quite calibrated them yet, and he was just skipping through every extracurricular his mom put him in. Uh, So I think he didn't realize until afterwards that his mom was actually setting him up on a date, and he fast-forwarded through the entire date and didn't realize it was on the date. I can't even imagine what that looked like from the date's perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Not good. Because also, you know, the date was a teenager like Angus, so she probably told everyone about how it was the worst date ever. <laughs> Good thing you were homeschooled. Good thing I was homeschooled. I didn't have to hear about it. <laughs> Hello, my name is David Ray. I'm playing Chester Capone, who is uh, the Grip Playbook with some fancy powered armor. And uh, I think probably the most embarrassing uh, moment in Chester's life was like when he was a little kid. Uh, back in Philadelphia, and he loved hockey back then. But uh, he was super excited about the the Pittsburgh Penguins because of Mario Lemieux and everything like that. And he was just like, "Man, Super Mario's great! This is gonna be so." And and he went to school and telling all the kids. And of course, that did not go over well at all uh, with the, all these Flyers fans. And it went particularly bad for him uh, because like. Oh, everybody was saying that the Penguins were going to beat the Flyers, and the Flyers upset the Penguins in the 89 uh, playoffs. And it just, oh my goodness, Chester became the target for all of this. And he's like, oh, fine. And then Eric Lindros came along, and then he was uh, he uh, joined the Flyer fan club then. So, you know. I feel like from this podcast, if you only know Dave from here, you would think that he's like a huge sports guy and i don't think he is but the more quotes you pull out the more i'm like is dave a secret sports guy <laughs> i mean I, all the wrestling knowledge holds up yes that, yeah oh the wrestling true. for sure but I, i've never known you to be a sports bro hey look my my dad and i watched a lot of hockey back in the day so i knew like old hockey from a specific time frame <laughs> I don't know who plays now. I don't know. It just lined up. This is like it, this podcast is your Slumdog Millionaire, where you're like, yeah. I have all the answers. <laughs> I know who played for Philadelphia yeah, yeah, at the turn yeah. of the century. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, perfect. And uh, my name, uh, as I mentioned before, is Robin. I'm your host and your slugmaster. And I feel like I must have more embarrassing memories, but maybe I've repressed them all. So I'm going to go with early on in my live music performing days. I 
covered uh, Wheatus's teenage dirt bag, and I feel like it gets brought up a lot by people who knew me at the time as as like a particularly <laughs> rough and embarrassing performance. Uh, <laughs> mostly just the song selection, but probably the performance wasn't great. Uh, I don't know. That's that's. That's the one you get for free. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to our Patreon for more. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll list <laughs> all, all of my, my full recording of the performance. Oh my god! <laughs> I probably have one. Uh, anyway, last time around, you guys were in Quahalia. You were voyaging into yourselves, into your own memories, into your into your characters' embarrassing memories and secrets. Uh, we learned a lot about each of you. We got to see some flashbacks, uh, and in the end, we learned a whole lot about uh, Graham Capone and her history with one Tristan Voss. Uh, and we left it on a bit of a cliffhanger there, so I'm excited to just get right back into it. Are you guys ready to play some Slug Blaster? Yeah! 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 yeah. And with that, uh, I take you now into the game of Slug Blaster that we play on this podcast. So you've all just witnessed this vision of the past, of this friendship between Charlie and Triss, and you've watched them grow up and grow apart. You've seen who Tristan becomes and what she goes on to do. And the last image you saw was of a team sent by Miper to harvest Ezrium from the plain of Vestige, destroying it in the process. And they're all outfitted in powered armor, including one set that you all recognize as the same one that Chester would later find abandoned and take as his own. And with that, the scene collapses and fades, and I think you all find yourselves in, in a bit of a void, a darkened space. And you can see in front of you that same white glow just hanging in the void. And Chester, you look down and in your hand is that picture. Um, oh boy. Did, did everyone see, see the turbodendron? Uh, yeah, that uh-huh. explains a lot. They didn't cover that when they were telling us the history of Nega friction in school. I gotta... I gotta talk to Graham. Gosh, the fact that there was a whole other planar eclipse linked to another turbodendron. Uh, the fact that there are so many thin zones in Hillview, it, it all connects back as to why so much goes on in this little backwater town. But wait, does this mean... Is this mean the, the entirety of Vestige is, is the way it is because... Because of Miper? Looks like it. Yeah. And then Drow was investigating Miper. Things must have went sideways. I. They were on their tail oh, the whole boy. time, and and Voss was was doing all this to just turn a whole dimension into into an element, and to get that much Ezrium already. Who knows if. Miper's looking for more. They could be checking out any number of dimensions, tr- tr- trying to mine out the multiverse. And whatever dimension they land on, suck it dry like they did Vestige. That's why they were so excited when we found a new one. Oh, that poor guy in his stomach acid. And I think during this conversation, as everyone's debating about where Miper might be headed next and what they might be looking to accomplish... I'm going to give this to Chester, because you have that receptive ability. Um, What clicks in your brain is that 
the reason you all went to Empyrean in the first place was because, based on the description, it sounded a lot like what turned out to be Ezria, the the description of a verdant, green, lush paradise uh, had you thinking of Empyrean, but it turned out that that was was what Vestisha used to be like before this process happened. And it just, it, the, the connection clicks in your brain that you have visited a dimension that uh, is very similar to the one that was harvested last. Oh, hey, you know that that dimension that, that we saw in, in the memories there that it looks a lot like Empyrean, remember? It's, it's the same thing. And, oh, and we led them right there. Oh, and I was recording it on my visor and everything. And then Chester like looks up in the heads up display and real uh, Nick, um, a blinking red dot and REC. What what is that for? What does that mean again? <laughs> REC. REC. Did Chester the helmet? <laughs> Did you stream the whole ding dang run? Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 There's a lot menu. of, like, both main Chester menu. and Nick fumbling at the helmet. Uh, 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 where is it? Uh, just, just look for it, X. Look for it, X. Uh, unplug it. Just, just turn, turn anything. Anything. I'm uh, trying. Uh, uh, and I pull off the helmet and then, like, try to engage the, uh, like, the strength of the armor to start smashing it <laughs> as best as I can. Uh, absolutely, yeah. You're, you're able to uh, <laughs> to end this recording one way or another. <laughs> I can't believe it was recording broadcasting. Oh, I, no, 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 no. Uh, um, uh, Angus, can, can you come help me look at these components? I, I just need to see if there was, like, a black box to it or anything. I, I, I'm not super familiar with it, but I, I know you're good with tech and, and gadgets, and, and maybe, maybe we can find, find out if there was an inter- internal memory and I figure out what was stored. Angus steps forward. Um... <laughs> I guess I guess Chester has kind of been like smashing his helmet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is gonna be weird. I think he's just gonna try and shut off the UI. Okay. Um, and like, kind of reroute it so that like you don't have to go through a menu to access, you know, the leg engines. <laughs> fair, yeah. You're trying to jailbreak Chester's armor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I'm gonna add all of my remaining boost. So Can that's I throw you the last of my smarts kick. Uh, I got three on it already. <laughs> why don't we uh, all? But... Why don't we all throw one in and really bring do something together as a team? Let's all give a dice. <laughs> uh, Goddamn, uh, I'll give a die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, currently, I have two d six and three kick on it. Have a fourth kick. Thank you. Have a fifth kick. <laughs> <laughs> no extra dice, huh, fam? I'm going to take the hype die I, uh, I refilled. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so what, 3d6 and 5 kick? Uh, 4d6. 4d6? You said you were doing 3 before and then also taking the hype. Hang on. No, I, I added one die. Oh, okay. Oh, Never mind. although I do want to look cool, so that will give me another die. There you go. <laughs> uh, Angus looks cool in that, like, very cool-headed. He hasn't said anything, and he just, like, goes and goes to work and... My hope with looking cool is that it looks like he knew exactly what to do and just did it. Yeah. <laughs> Five. 
And your intent here was to, again, disconnect Chester's armor from the UI and, and make it so that he can still use the rest of his armor without having to go through the menu. Uh, yeah, yeah kind of the time. idea that, like, he would use it the way he uses his old armor. Yeah. He moves, it moves, right? It responds to him instead of him having to go through this bullshit interface uh, that's only been holding him back. Yeah, and and along the way, if you can sort of sever some connection with Miper and and maybe uh, big time get yep. rid of some of the yeah, I got five kick. I want to do all. I want to do it all. Yes, you are absolutely <laughs> able to do all of that. Um, I was gonna say you can't go back in time. Technically, you can, but not that far. Um, so you can't prevent <laughs> Chester from having streamed all of this. But you you are confident that you have severed the connection, and and Chester's armor is. Um, and I think it's it's kind of a cool moment because this is maybe the type of thing that you would expect uh, the smarts of the team, Nick, to do. Um, but Angus has uh, plenty of experience tinkering with electronics. I think that's even your special skill on your tab. Raw talent. You've always just been really good at tinkering with electronics. If I had somehow failed that role, uh, no, I wouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, Angus shows a, a surprising prowess here and is able to between sort of using the interface and rerouting wiring, um, completely disconnect Chester's armor from the grid. Um, <laughs> that needs a complication. And I don't know quite what to do because it feels disingenuous to just give you a slam of like, oh, there was an ungrounded wire and it shocked you. And like, because we're, we're at the end of the run and that's not going to matter in a very short time. Um but I was I was given some inspiration here uh, by one of our players, and I think the complication from this role, you are able to completely jailbreak Chester's armor and give him full control. Miper no longer has a direct line on it, and uh, and it is separated from the optic rig, uh, which allows you to you know control it again. You don't have to go through a bunch of submenus and nonsense. You did exactly what you were trying to do. In this process, I think at some point it got overloaded uh, and. I don't think any of you know this yet. I don't think any anyone is going to realize this for a while. But I think the tape that Chester keeps with him all the time that he got from his mom is damaged in this process. I think the, the rerouting the power at some point overloads it and, and the tape is uh, rendered unlistenable. Oh, jeez. Just like some sort of magnetic interference with it just mm-hmm. completely wipes it. Yeah. yeah, if you put a magnet to a cassette tape, it can really, uh, it erases it. But yes, I don't think anyone knows this now. That's the thing. I think to you, it just feels like a complete success. Um, yeah. And later on, Chester will discover this. But that's a scene for another time. Nice, Angus. That was that was slick as hell. <laughs> you did it. You did it. Oh, my gosh. I uh, Sorry, I probably should have helped more. I was very much in a panic attack. You think you... Oh, sorry. I think we should go home now. Agreed. Right. Yeah. You all see that point of light in front of you, and I think you all you all realize just inherently that um, like your your brains have sort of adapted to the logic of this place, and you realize that's probably your portal zone out of here. And I think it is time to end this run and, and send you home. But as always, uh, the last thing we do before the end of the run is time for a disaster roll.
cards on the table here. I almost wasn't going to have a disaster roll this this episode. I I had a lot of exposition to deliver to you guys, and I felt like after that it might be exhausting to have another hurdle to deal with. So I was going to maybe just let you walk back to Hillview unscathed. However, you all introduced an element that I wasn't expecting, which is Chester having recorded accidentally, which I love and want to honor. And it's so great because I had not... That wasn't something I brought to the table. I had not planned for that at all. I have no idea how much of it streamed or who saw or what or how. And I think that's where the disaster roll is going to come in this time. So it's going to be a little bit of a different thing. It's not going to be on any one person. It is going to be a communal disaster roll. A six will be completely safe. Something about the quantum makeup of Quahalia doesn't allow for streaming to to work like I, the fact that you need a logic binder i think um would maybe suggest that any footage streamed out of there would look like a, an incomprehensible nightmare so there is a chance that none of it streamed four or a five your tangible uh adventures in in physical spaces like elliot's backpack or the pool did stream including anything that you might have said during them but none of the memories or flashbacks including that final uh, long flashback that you experienced. None of that streamed. But it would stream our conversation in, in this room right after that. <laughs> um, I'm going to say, le- because it's a four or five is like a close call, a safety, we'll say the right. void is also exempt. Um, that just nice. This final void is an, uh, another intangible space that like can't quite transmit. Uh, and one to three, every single thing streamed. Um, all, all of it. And everyone saw all of it. So... <laughs> We're going to do it the same way where you, you get dice based on how many trouble boxes you have clear. We only need one of you to roll it. I think it might make sense that it would be Chester, but I'm open to your arguments why it would be anyone else. So let me know who's rolling it. Yeah, it makes sense. I can see Chester or Angus, one of the two. Uh, what's your justification for Angus? I'm curious. Uh, just in doing that jailbreaking, like, is there a way that like we know whether or not it was actually streaming the whole time or like gotcha he found out in the course of that that's fair angus has marked the least trouble so i'm like uh really oh i thought we were like pooling resources never mind never mind never mind can i make an offer sure that might also help justify angus's role in all of this Mm -hmm. chester rolls with the trouble that he has marked but he gets my walking disaster ability which is you get plus 1d6 on disaster rolls. I like that. That's fair. Yes. So Sweet. I roll it according to my trouble? Yes. Which I believe gives okay. you two because you got five boxes clear. Yeah. So, so you're going to be rolling with a total of three. A total of three? Yeah, because you're getting one from Angus. Okay. Three, a four, and a six. (laughs) 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 Yo. (laughs) And with that, we move into the downtime portion of the game. So I want to catch up with the crew 
on your way home. We're not quite back to Hillview yet, but I, I just want to take a moment because uh, it's a pretty long journey getting back from Quahalia. Uh, and I think maybe after everything you've been through and all of the revelations you've learned, you maybe stop off uh, in Thennis Spar because uh, there was a promise made at the start of this run. And uh, I think that that needs to be followed up on on our way home here. Angus, you, uh, you have a commitment to see through. Do I? I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you're in some sort of an outdoor, like a, a marketplace. We've, we've established that Thennis Bar is very much like streets full of people and markets and stuff. But there's like a an area with some tables uh, that's sort of like an, an outdoor food court kind of a thing where there's like stands and carts and uh, and whatnot set up serving, and you have been able to track down uh, the Thanispartian cheesesteak vendor that Chester met up with all those episodes ago on your first <laughs> run to Thanispar. Uh, it's not clear from interacting here, like, if it is in fact meant to be an approximation of a cheesesteak. Like, I don't, Chester may have just made that assumption. He was looking for <laughs> a cheesesteak and this was the closest thing he found. Um, but whatever it's supposed to be, uh, you have one here. Is anyone else partaking or is this Angus on his own? Suffer. Nobody uh, has to, only Angus has, has made this bet. Nick, Nick has finally been talked into trying one of the olive oil popsicles along with Lake. If she, if yeah, she I was gonna say, one. I've got my <laughs> trademark tennis <laughs> version snack. And we're just like, cheering Angus along on this arduous <laughs> task. Uh, I, I I think Chester's going to have one as well that, you know, uh, he's taking a, a few bites out of uh, as he's sitting there. It's an acquired taste thing. <laughs> oh yeah, like as he's eating it, it's just like he's just holding it together and like tears are already coming down his face, but he's just like, he, his mind is elsewhere kind of a thing and he's just so he, he's kind of ignoring the pain, but his body is like physically reacting. <laughs> and cheese how's Angus steak, holding up? Cheese steak. Cheese uh, steak. Angus takes the first bite. Uh, he looks confused, and then he looks perplexed, and then he, he looks dismayed, and then uh, his face goes red, and he starts sweating, and he says, <laughs> "It's not good." It's not even good. Oh my god! <laughs> and then he takes another bite, and and very very soon he's right there with Chester, uh, uh, sweat pouring down his face, tears streaming down his face, uh, and he's like, "I I made a promise. I made a promise. This is for this is for you, Lake." Mm. <laughs> takes another bite. <laughs> yeah, no, I... Come on, Angus. I believe in you. Eat that steak. I don't believe in me, Nick. I don't believe in me. Oh my god. Oh my god. She has a smirk. She's like, I feel, I feel vindicated. <laughs> good, good. I feel pain. <laughs> it's all pain. Chester, what's going on here? Angus is showing you up. You barely touched yours in comparison to him. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. My, my tongue is a lake of fire. That's, that's true. You goddamn liar. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just a little distracted. Uh, and, like, he takes another bite out of it and, like... It really doesn't get any uh, less spicy every time you take a bite. I don't know why. Uh, Chester, what's what's on your mind? Um, all right. Well, I know it's important for me to tell uh, you guys what what's on my mind because last time I didn't do that. You got upset at me, so I'm gonna. I know you guys really want me on on the crew, and I appreciate that. But I I don't know this this 
run really proved to me that I don't know if I really should be here because you're right. You you don't need me to protect you. You guys are tough enough. I mean, look at Angus. He's he's plenty tough for for this cheese date. Tears and just streaming. <laughs> Angus is the reddest you've ever seen a person be. <laughs> just just beat beat red. The other side of it, though, is that. I don't know what role I fulfill in this group anymore, because if I'm not protecting you, the only other thing I do is I almost messed everything up. I, I was recording everything and broadcast. I don't know if it, what happened with that, but it doesn't even matter because I made bad decisions and I didn't even notice. And this is, if I don't have something I'm adding to the group and I'm, I'm a potentially a, something that could hurt the group I don't I don't know why you will have me in the group Chester it's not about us needing you here it's that we want you here you're our friend and we we like to go out and do all these things together and we want you to be part of that yeah we like your company I, I know I know we're a team and there's structures and we're we're working towards you know partnerships and sponsorships but like we're not a we're, this isn't business this is slug blasting you're you're here because you're chester what's all this about roles it's not like we have assigned i don't know like playbooks or anything we're, we're just people <laughs> we've all got our strengths but nobody needs to sit in any particular box except angus angus needs to sit in this cheesesteak box for a little longer oh my god did you really eat the whole thing Level with me. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna eat the whole thing. But did you eat the whole thing? Yeah, I did. Um, okay, then and, I can do it. God damn it. Okay. And, and Chester takes another bite and just is like, still like it's not. Uh, he's disassociated <laughs> from the physical pain. And um, well, here's the thing, though. You 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 saw my memory there. I want to actually be good at something. I don't want to just get an award for showing up. I want to be good at something. Chester, that you're you know, we're we're also still teenagers. Like you'll you'll get a chance to to make something of yourself. I mean, look at look at Elliot. Elliot's music career is popping off because actions weird gravity took, right? You're you're You got me backstage, <sighs> Chester. This is this is a platform for all of us to to learn and grow. It it you know, we're living life. Look, and it points to this beautiful, you know, Thenespartian cityscape as, <laughs> like... It's objectively gorgeous. Yeah, the giant moons fill the sky, the multicolored buildings sort of leaning out over the alleyways. And yeah, it's it's like a picturesque uh, European villa, and it's it's beautiful. We're all a liability. We're all looking out for each other. We're all strong in different ways at different times. And we're all friends. I, 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 I don't know what we have to say to, to convince you of this. You, you're probably right. Uh, I think I'm just going to need a little bit of time. And I need to have a, a big old think about this. And he puts his headphones back on. And uh, he, uh, that's when he starts playing the tape. Oh. Right. And he, and, he, and he starts, like, you know that whole thing with the tape at the start where it's got, like, a little bit of that blank space. And then it's just like, mm -hmm. um, he fast forwards a little bit and then he flips it over and try and, um, 
he starts getting like he his hands start shaking on like as he holds like the Walkman and he like t- takes it and like looks at it and and uh, his yeah you could fully see him like um um is the cheesesteak finally hitting because uh, you haven't been reacting to it much and I don't know how it's it's gone the the tape the tape is. Uh, I don't. It's not working. So. Um, oh. I, I'll. Uh, um. Excuse me for just a moment. And uh, he uh, he gets up and he uh, walks away. And uh, I'll be okay. I'm, I'm. I just maybe need a, a place to sit or something. I don't know. I don't know. And uh, I don't know. Maybe he starts heading towards. Uh, uh, the Arborist Temple. There's that's a place of uh, quiet. <laughs> Wait, Chester, was that the tape with? Oh yeah, and I think that's where we leave that scene. Uh, Chester takes some space, and the rest of Weird Gravity doesn't quite know how to help their friend. Um, and Angus is is in excruciating amounts of pain. Just, just so much. I think I'm dying. <laughs> no, I'm not dying. Oh, but I might be dying? <laughs> At this point, Angus has eaten the whole cheesesteak. Uh, Chester left behind his, so Nick takes one bite of it and goes, ooh, too hot. And Angus had just ordered a glass of milk, and Nick drinks the whole thing. But <laughs> Angus doesn't get any. This is absolutely not taken from a real-life situation that happened to me. Oh, no. <laughs> so, as you're uh, finishing up your cheesesteak there, Angus, uh, you're, you're polishing off the last couple of bites. Um, I think also during this time, you maybe have a chance to check your uh, my page feeds now that you're out of the uh, logic-bent madness that is Quahalia. Uh, and you and you get a chance to just double check and and sure enough, like you as players know this because you did the disaster roll, but now your characters know this too. Uh, nothing coherent was broadcast out of Quahalia. It was all static and noise and weird like patterns, but nothing nothing discernible. The whatever whatever about Quahalia causes you to need a logic binder to even exist and function there scrambles any signal being being transmitted from it um so you guys both you as players and your characters are aware uh of that uh flawless disaster role and that your secrets are at least for the moment safe somehow um, his armor knew how to hashtag equahalia so this might still be decent content at the end <laughs> <laughs> and i think it's in that moment where you've you finished the final bite and you're kind of debating like do we go try and find chester do we go back on our own and, and leave him to find, do we give him space? What do we do? Uh, that you're approached in the food court here uh, by that same robed figure that you met uh, back at the start of this run in the Arborist Temple, uh, Ronnie, who I realized afterwards, um, I, I took it right from the, the Slug Blaster uh, uh, <laughs> copy that like Mikey's writing, and it's R-A-N-I and sounds very cool and spacey. And I realized in a podcast, it just sounds like, Ronnie the Arborist. No. Like, it sounds like a plumber name. <laughs> hey, it's me, Ronnie. Hey, and my Ronnie. dad's Ronald, you know, so... Uh, yeah, I want to take you down to the Arborist Temple and teach you about the meaning of the multiverse. Um, but no, Ronnie uh, appears behind you and is like, oh, uh, hey, guys, sorry to interrupt, but um, did you still want to talk to the High Forester? Oh, Ronnie. I didn't think we'd line back up with you on our way on, on our way back through here. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, 
knowing the nature of the multiverse and and how everything moves and flows and and where everyone is that's kind of our deal so we we spotted you coming back through and, oh, and right, well right. offers on the table if you still want to speak with him he'd he'd love to speak with you wait we can we can meet with the high forester now i mean unless you have something else going on no no we we can no, go no, we just just finished eating. Yeah, Angus will probably need to find a bathroom anyway, so this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the temple is a sacred space. There's no there's no bathrooms in there. <laughs> That's not, is I'm that going to be a problem? Angus misses the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, uh, hurry up then. Hey, aren't there normally five of you? I uh, never know the answer to that. <laughs> I have a feeling our, our fifth might already be over around there. Yeah, he's he's known for his perfect attendance. <laughs> uh, and yeah, with that, you follow Ronnie through the winding alleyways and, and city streets. And uh, and yeah, sure enough, I think as you approach the temple, you do see Chester sort of sitting on the steps underneath the stained glass window that he once shattered in front of the doors that he has uh, burst in multiple times, <laughs> staring out at the falcon, uh, at the falcon, at the fountain that y'all have uh, desecrated in your adventures uh, and grinded on and, and busked around and stuff. Uh, Cut in half. There. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Chester, do you join the others as you see them approach here? Yeah. Um, he's there, but he is kind of uh, distracted a little bit, but he, he is present. Fair enough. I want to um, say we somebody probably gives him the offer of he, he, he doesn't have to come along if he doesn't want to right at the moment. I'd... I don't think we, we super force him, per se. Uh, no, it's okay. Like, I mean, he's got to travel back with y'all anyway, so he might as well uh, be there, so. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. just to extend yeah. the offer. Then I think uh, the five of you make your way into uh, the temple, and I think Ronnie leads you back through the sort of main big open public space and, and into sort of a back area. There's There's a lot of, like, long twisting corridors, and you see a lot of spiral staircases and stuff. It looks like this temple actually is a lot bigger than it than the footprint it takes up on the street. You know, it looks like it goes down underground and, and twists around and maybe like connects up with other buildings. Um, it looks it looks more elaborate. The more the further you get into it, the more you realize that it just kind of keeps going. Um, but you eventually end up at a at a secluded office area uh, and inside uh, sitting on a, a big wooden chair. You all see one of the arborists, but not just any member of the Arborist. Nick, you recognize this person as uh, the same one that you've been interacting with on, on all of your previous adventures. You uh, you recognize him from the, the first time you were here in Thenispar and you warped to the Waking Pits. Uh, you recognize him from the Golden Jungle, uh, where he first gave you uh, the word Equinox. You recognize him from Town Day, where he gave you the orb that ultimately unlocked your dad's computer. And, and now he, here he is sitting before you. But he looks different as well. Normally, he's been dressed the same as all the other arborists in the same exact, like, robes matching kind of thing. He's got some more elaborate, I think it's just, like, silver detailing. There's, like, uh, around the edges and around the sleeves, there is some, like, silver filigree uh, that sort of matches the decoration of the temple itself. Um, and I think he's got, like, a band around his bald head that's, like, not like a crown, but like a small sort of... Um, I can't think of the word. <laughs> a circlet or a tiara? Yeah, like a circlet or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and just, just these are. Uh, you notice that there are a couple of elements here that are that are new since the last time that you've seen this person. I like your tiara. <laughs> uh, 
thank you very much for the compliment. Um, and this maybe takes you guys back a little bit, or, or Nick especially, because you guys, generally when you've talked to the Arborists, other than Ronnie, they've been incomprehensible to you. Even your translators have not been able to uh, detect what language they're, what sort of ancient speech that they are bringing here. But um, you can see maybe from the the like lip movement that like this isn't even your translator picking this up. This is this is him speaking in your language. Uh, uh, hello, uh, n- nice to f- finally actually meet you. I, yes, uh, I apologize for uh, how how things have gone in the past. I suppose you probably have a few questions for me. I've been attempting to learn your language so that I might better communicate with you, and so far, I think things are going very pineapple. <laughs> that's that's a little joke. I'm very fluent. Uh, just just some humor. Well, yeah, I've got to say, you're doing a really great job. I, we do actually have quite a lot of questions when it comes down to it. There's Nick, a lot of things that we've been doing. Oh, yep, Nick, yep, yep, take please, a please, breath, please. Nick. Oh, <laughs> S- sorry. Uh, um... Uh, yes, I I think we do have a, a lot of, well, gosh, maybe even more questions than when we showed up earlier here today. <laughs> well, I'm I'm a resource at your disposal. Feel free to ask me what you need to know, and I'll try my best to answer. How did how do you know about Equinox and and my dad's laptop? Did you know my dad? I did. I knew your father some time ago. I was new to the order at the time, and well, as you can see, I've had a bit of a change in standing recently. Uh, suppose I actually to a have branch. <laughs> you to uh, <laughs> yes, very good, very good because of the trees. That's yeah, our thing. I thought it was yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. Yes, I, I suppose I actually have you to thank. Uh, I, the the members of my my order have been at a bit of a, a crossroads, a, a turning point, an, an equinox of our own for some time now. There have been several ways of thinking, and, and the old leadership's failure to deal with all of you and to their tendency to to run afoul of you time and time again is what helped the order come around to the fact that maybe some new ideas are needed. And so I've, I've been elected as the new high forester and lucky for you because some of the other guys really hate all of you. (laughs) I I think it's unwarranted. I hope it's unwarranted. I'd, I'd hate to, for my first big gamble as High Forester to pay odd to, to come back to bite me. But uh, yes, Nick, I, I knew your father when I was first adopted into the Order, when I first did my untethering. He was, uh, well, to explain our relationship with your father, I, I may need to explain a little more. Do you, do you all have a minute? Yeah, we're, yeah. we're all ears. Yep. Absolutely. All right, Angus is slowly shaking his head in the background. <laughs> Just very small head shakes. <laughs> right, good, because I don't want to have to rush this at all. I really want to take my time with the details. So yeah, everyone get comfortable and make sure that you're in, you're in it for the long haul. Here. <laughs> <laughs> 
Elliot, does does your bag have any like like Pepto or Tums or anything for Angus? Oh yeah, totally. I'm not even gonna make you roll for that. You you find something <laughs> for him. <laughs> uh, the the high forester continues. You see, every dimension eventually reaches a point where it is ready to enter the larger multiverse, where it has advanced as far as it can in the darkness of isolation, and it must be slowly and carefully brought into the light. Uh, that's part of what our order does. Uh, the arborists call this point that a dimension reaches uh, the equinox, and and as a result, we use that as a code word when we were working with your father, Nick. Sarnak, your, your dimension had, had not yet reached its equinox, but are you familiar with with Tristan Voss? Lake gulps hard. Unfortunately, yes. Uh, I suppose um, <laughs> the, the use of Ezrium had something to do with speeding along the equinox process. Exactly. Tristan escalated things ahead of schedule. She cut the line, and when she started doing damage in the plane of Ezria, a decision had to be made. Some of the arborists thought that the best course would be to make contact with Sarnak and reveal the nature of the multiverse to your dimension, but others thought that you weren't ready and that revealing ourselves, our order, the nature of, of the multiverse to all of you or even just to Tristan would only make things worse. It would escalate the situation. There would be more people trying to do more damage and so uh, a compromise was reached. Your father, Nick, was, was working for, for your scientific organization, Drow, and was suspicious of my activities in Hillview. He was already looking into their, their dealings there, and we viewed helping him as a way to perhaps save Ezria without exposing the rest of your dimension to ideas that they weren't ready for, truths about the universe that they couldn't handle. One of our operatives posed as a Miper employee, leaking information, and gave your father just enough answers to try to stop Miper's operations and, and no more. We would keep your dimension, Saranac, in the dark as, as much as possible, and perhaps give your father just enough to, to accomplish our goal. We had weekly meetings, and for a while things looked promising, but one week your father didn't show up, and, well, fearing that the information we'd given him might fall into the wrong hands, we recovered his computer and hid it away so that no one else could stumble across the, the secrets that we had passed to him. What, what, what did he say the next time he showed up? I... Uh... <laughs> I take it that's when uh, he can kind of stop showing up anywhere, like... Uh-oh. Oh. I'm afraid I uh. may not have the answer you're looking for, Nick. I, I don't know what happened to your father any more than you do, but I have no proof or even real evidence or suspicion that, that Miper had anything to do with it, but I also can't shake a bad feeling. It, it seems like the timing, we were just so close. It, I don't know, I suppose only Miper has those answers for sure. 
<laughs> an even bigger gulp from Lake. She's like, oh, jeez. <laughs> if you spent so much time trying to keep Null in the dark, then how come we got hip to the multiverse anyway? Well, we, after our initial efforts with your father failed to stop Miper in time, we decided to intervene directly, but while we were able to force Miper to leave that dimension, the damage had already been done. And from that point on, Tristan and Miper were able to mass market technologies that accelerated your dimension's growth. It, it allowed you to access the broader multiverse in ways that we hadn't predicted. And at a certain point, we just couldn't stop you. I, I gotta ask, if you had your, your way about it, when would we have been ready to know about the multiverse? Like, how how premature are we? That's a difficult question to answer. We try to monitor Dimension's progress and, and approach them when they're ready to embrace their place in a in a larger world. If If you start the process too soon... They view the multiverse as, as something to be owned, to be conquered, or to be kept and harvested. And, I mean, clearly that's exactly what happened. Has Do you feel that your society has advanced beyond the desire for, for conquest and, and capitalization upon all things? Absolutely not. Yeah, no. just a, a series of knowing looks uh, fr from everyone. And <laughs> not, according, not according to the movie of The Matrix. <laughs> and the High Forester kind of sighs and says, but I suppose that's not the answer to your question. You you asked when when I, if I had my way, and honestly, I if I had had my way, we would have told you everything back when Tristan first crossed over. I... I was one of the voices in dissent. I thought that pitting your father against Miper was, was wrong, that that we were making him do a job that that was ours to do, that we should have taken care of ourselves. I think if we'd just been honest with him, told him more about what was really going on, we we may have been able to stop things sooner. But as I said at the time, I was still a, a new a new inductee into the order, and I, well, clearly I was outvoted, but. I'm not sure if you've come across too many idioms in your, your study of our languages, but uh, well, I fear that history has come around to repeat itself here. Uh, what is that? You're right. The idiom is a little hard to grasp. Is it? Uh, is the time anomaly back, like on, on no, down No, no, I, we... I, I, uh, I, I think we managed to do that. Sorry, again, that was... I've, I've done a lot of things to your time stream that is bad. I'm sorry about that. But uh, Tristan Voss, uh, based on something that we've been looking into, I, we think... We think she might be looking to do what she did to Ezria all over again. That's impossible. Ezria has been stripped clean. There's, there's no... As I said, we were too late. The damage was done. Ezria is beyond salvation. Not Ezria. Empyrean. Spessis. Empyrean, you... Oh, no. 
we, in our own travels, had managed to find a route there, and unwittingly, we think we might have shown her the way, but but y- you said that even though the damage was done, you, you somehow the, the operas managed to drive Miper out of Vestige. Do, do you think if, if we were able to act a- ahead of time, there, there might be a way that we could we could do something to stop them before they even make it into Empyrean? I... Uh, and you can see he looks a little bit flustered by this. I'm not sure. Do you know how long we have? Well, well, for what it's worth, we 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 only we only went there for a hoverboard contest. We swear we weren't doing it deliberately. <laughs> I I understand. <laughs> Most of our interactions with you thus far have been miscommunications. Uh, uh, the the old guard were understandably rattled when when your friend here showed up in in the exact mining equipment that was used to devastate Ezria. We thought that Miper was was making another play and wasn't until you showed me a kindness and, and brought me back with you during our battle in the waking pits, Nick, that I I recognized something in you that I remembered seeing in your father and well since then it's been a lot of wrong place, wrong time, but um if if you've really led Miper to to Spessis and, and they're going to harvest it, I we we need to act quickly. I will rally the rest of the order and and we'll we'll try to intervene. We can we can cut them off. Where where do you access Empyrean from? Where where is where is your entry point? At this point the the only route that we had through would have well the the last point of contact before Empyrean itself would be Prismadia. That's where we'll make our stand. I I'll I'll Rally the order at once, and and we'll head for Prismatia. Well, what can we do in the meantime? Uh, maybe maybe it's not too late to stop them in your home plane. You you have the armor that that you were wearing when you smashed through the window. That that's the same equipment that was used in the devastation of Ezria. If 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 you can access the the logs, the memory files, video recordings, it should all be there. You can. You can let the people know what Miper did and and expose them for what they really are. That's easier said than done. And Angus looks over to Chester in his new armor, looks back to the High Forester. We would have to break into Miper headquarters to get to it at this point. They took it from you? Uh, well, um, I kind of, I got an upgrade, um, uh, to, to get this new armor. Um, Miper's been playing us the whole time. I feel like such an idiot. Uh, I'm sorry, team. It would appear that Miper has been making moves that none of us were privy to. You've asked how you can help, and the way I see it is this. I will gather my order and head for Prismatia, and we will need all the help that we can get there. If you're looking for your friend's armor to try and expose Miper's crimes, I I don't know that you'll find it in your dimension. If, if you gave it to them for an upgrade, you said, it's it's likely in their extra-dimensional research labs. They've they've established a, a, a laboratory that exists outside of your dimension that they use to navigate around certain 
restrictions and permits that they would need in your own plane. What dimension is that? It's a, a pocket dimension that they've engineered. I can I can give you more information if if you choose to to go this route, but um my my gut tells me that that's where you would find the armor if it was being used to to engineer an upgrade. Although Nick, if you're looking for answers about your father, I I imagine those would be in your home plane in, in Null's headquarters. And I don't know that I can tell you which path is right for you. All I know is that that one way or another we are we are connected in this endeavor, that the multiverse has drawn us all into this, and I only pray that we can navigate through it together and hopefully save Spessus in the process. Thank you. Thank you for all your help and all the information. I I think we need to take some time to figure out what our plan of action will actually be, but if if you're all headed to Prismatia right away, is is there any way we can still contact you? Uh, yes, I I believe that can be arranged. Uh, and he reaches into his robe and, and pulls out... Uh, just a I mean, cell it's, phone. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> no, Nokia for phone. Um, no, it's, it's been orbs all along. I think he pulls out another orb, but it's a different one. It's... Uh, What's a cool color for this communication orb to is be? This, is this one a flip orb? Iridescent. Is it a... <laughs> it's like those uh, EOS lip balm balls that you have to screw open. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. <laughs> I need to move quickly if, if what you've told me is true. So Before you go. Yes? There's something I should give you. And Angus fumbles with a messenger bag uh, at his side, and he pulls out a binder, and he opens up the binder, and he pulls out a rolled-up t-shirt, and he unrolls the t-shirt, and he pulls out a dagger, and he shoves all the other crap back in the messenger bag, and he holds it out to the High Forester. Where did you... Temple and Empyrean. I... I see. And he he takes it from you and kind of holds it up reverently, and is like, I, I, I appreciate you... Handing this over to us, the 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 temple there is is a sacred site, but well, not one we've visit often. And I, I had no idea this was even still there. I it belongs listen, in a museum. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Listen, some of the other arborists may not appreciate this, but I'm I'm the high forester now, and what I say goes. So uh, screw it. Is that the idiom? <laughs> uh, if you do you know what this dagger is capable of uh, Ronnie uh, gave us a, a brief overview it's an untethering dagger that it is if you wish to take advantage of its benefits you you, you may do so I, I can perform the ritual we'll have to move quickly but if, if that's something any of you want to partake of, you you need only let me know. Um, and it's at this point that I want to just jump out for a second yeah. and let you know what that does, because we've talked about the the broader story mechanic that this is uh, used in a ritual that, that severs your connection to your home plane. Um, but this is now a mechanical upgrade that's available to you, so you should know what the mechanic of it is. Essentially, you're eliminating the problem of peelback thus far 
anytime you're put under great stress or strain or anytime you're too far away from your home dimension, like in Empyrean or other far-reaching places like that, uh, you can be yanked back to your own plane violently by that connection. Uh, and sev severing that connection would obviously eliminate that problem. You would no longer risk peel back. Um, it does mean that, you know, if you're in a potentially life-threatening situation that, you know, you don't get the easy out of, I have been snapped back to my reality, uh, and you might have to actually deal <laughs> with the consequences of that. Um, but let's talk about the plus sides of this mechanic. You also uh, would not have things like quantum strain, which was the uh, condition imposed upon you in Empyrean where it filled the slam box, uh, and it would allow you to move easier between the dimensions of the multiverse it would sort of allow you to to traverse the multiverse easier which would uh, mechanically mean that you can roll to directly access any known dimension um and you do not need to have a direct portal zone to that dimension if you are successful it's essentially fast travel <laughs> uh but it is roll dependent like you do still have to to roll to attempt it um yeah um real quick I'm sorry, I put mm -hmm. a bag over your head. Oh, that was that was you, wasn't it? Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, I totally was. Um... Like I said, a lot of wrong place, wrong time. I, mean... I also rode him like a skateboard. There's been a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry my mom held a rally on your front steps and then I soaked her. That was pretty cool what you did there, though. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty dope to see her all weird, funky colors. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> anyway, I must away. Swooshes <laughs> his robe dramatically <laughs> and exits the room. And Ronnie's like, "I guess I could take you guys back. I don't. I don't know. I, uh, this is my job now." Hi, Forrester just got cartoonified at the very end. <laughs> no, I think I think we got to make some moves, team. Let's 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 bounce. Hi, Forrester didn't happen to learn English from Scottsdale, did he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does sort of sound like the same guy now that I think about it. <laughs> hey there, weird kids. It is your Slugmaster Game Blaster podcaster here, as always, to thank you so much for listening to ask you to please, please leave us nice reviews and ratings on your preferred podcatcher, and to encourage you to recommend us to friends. The very next episode that goes up will be part one of our epic multi-part season finale, so now is the perfect time for new listeners to jump in at the beginning. By the time they're caught up, they'll be able to listen to the entire season from start to finish. Uh, we are at Quantum Kickflip on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow us for new episode updates, memes, audiograms, and lots more. Uh, you can also subscribe to us on Patreon, where for just five bucks a month, you can get early access to every new episode of Quantum Kickflip, as well as bi-weekly bonus content. We've got some very cool exclusives uh, in our run-up to the season finale here, including uh, loopable tracks of the music used in the show that you can use in your own games at home, as well as original music from Elliot's band, Paula the Ape Woman. Uh, I'd also like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. Check them out at amaas.ca. And finally, we are proud members of the Alberta Podcast Network, who have a ton of amazing locally made shows over at albertapodcastnetwork.com. We release Quantum Kickflip bi-weekly, and as I said earlier, our multi-part season finale is up next. The first episode drops on June 22nd. Uh, it's looking like a four-episode final arc, and then after that we've got some very exciting special episodes that I cannot wait to tell you about, 
uh, before ultimately diving into season two, which I'm even more excited to tell you about. It is all secrets over here at Quantum Kickflip lately. I am sitting on so many huge secrets, I can't even stand it. Anyway, we're going to get you right back to the action here, but first I'm going to throw it over to the High Forester for some quick words from our sponsors. Greetings, people of Cernak. I am the High Forester, leader of the Arborists. For centuries we have kept our presence, along with the existence of the multiverse, a secret from your world. But today I break that hallowed silence, all in the name of offering you some incredible deals on a variety of products and services. This episode of Quantum Kickflip is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Life as a business owner can be hectic, to say the least. Alberta Blue Cross understands that. They offer flexible health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time and on any device. That makes life easier for them and for you. You've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business, and Alberta Blue Cross has got your back. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. Just as we arborists care for the balance of the multiverse, you can care for the balance of your employee's bank account by saving the money on medical expenses with comprehensive insurance. See what I did there? Balance has two meanings. This episode is also brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, which is on a mission to inform you about your city. Want to get a handle on Edmonton's growing innovation scene? Take a listen to Bloom, Taproot's newest podcast. Each week hosts... Emily Rendell Watson and Faiza Ramji will discuss the latest developments in efforts to solve new problems and diversify the economy. Find out who has invented what, who is investing in whom, and what is on the horizon. Find Bloom wherever you listen to podcasts or visit bloom.taprootedmonton.ca. I must admit that while I have studied long about your plane of reality, I am unfamiliar with this Edmonton. Perhaps I will also listen to this podcast, although in my reality, we don't listen to podcasts on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. No, we have a much stranger way of doing things. We listen to them on Deezer. Anyway, let's get you folks back to the action. follow the crew back to Hillview and I think I want to check in first with Elliot. Uh, you arrive at home. Um, you, you're at your dad's place I'm assuming? Mm-hmm. That's where you stay most of the time. And I think uh, you, you maybe get home when your your dad just isn't around. He's at work or something. Um, and you head up to your room and when you get there you find a package addressed to you that's been left on your bed as though maybe your dad brought it in and, uh, and left it there for you. But it's... Uh, addressed to you and you don't recognize the handwriting uh, and there's no return address. When you open it up, it's a, a small sort of square parcel and inside you find a letter uh, and a small jewel case. And the letter says, thanks for letting me know about Sam uh, and more importantly about Juliet. I realize now that she's been playing me all along and I was just never smart enough to see it or maybe I didn't want to. I'm sorry I didn't believe you at first. I think Juliet thought that if she kept me mad enough, I wouldn't actually listen to you. It almost worked. Anyway, I'm tired of other people telling our story for us. I think it's time we took control of the narrative. Firing Juliet ended up inspiring me, so I 
wrote a little something and cut a demo. Consider it a gift. You can do whatever you want with it. For what it's worth, I think we sound pretty good together. And then it's signed with a dash and an R. Hmm. And other than that, in the package you find uh, a jewel case with a unlabeled blank-looking CD in it. I'll pop that bad boy in a player. Excellent. <laughs> uh, it spins up, and at first you're uh, confused because it just sounds like one of your songs with Paula the Ape Woman. Maybe there's a note on the inside of the sleeve that says, uh, skip to the end of the second chorus. And you do so, and it's, it's like, it's not on a on a computer. It's, it's you know, early 2000s technology. So you're like using the, the fast forward button that doesn't really work <laughs> great because it's like a relic of tapes and they haven't really figured out how to do it on CDs great. And you have to kind of like navigate back and forth. But you also, it's your song. You know where the second chorus is pretty well. Uh, and when you get there, this is what you hear. you here with a little collab, a little Paul of the Ape Woman featuring Ramona Nova, and has essentially told you that you can do what you want with it. Feels weird because I set the scene up and kind of narrated it to you, but what what scene are we seeing here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was a major personal legacy. Clear three style, you get a scholarship, the sudden attention of hot people, or something what? else that changes everything for you. How does your crew react, Mark One Legacy? Um, so I think how it how the reaction depends on what you do with it, because at this point it's just sort of Elliot's to, you know, maybe you don't want anything to do with Ramona, um, but uh, I, I think that's up to you. Yeah, I think she's going to hold on to it for a little bit uh, and maybe run it by the band and see what mm-hmm. they think. But uh, much like myself, while listening to that, just the biggest smile spread over Elliot's face. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I think Chester returns home. uh, And in one hand, he has the tape that is now erased... And on the other hand, he has um, the photo of Tristan Voss and, and his grandmother. And uh, when he walks through the door, he can smell Graham Capone's cooking in the next room. And um, he goes in. He kind of like hits the button that like takes the armor off of him. So it just like, you know, bloop, 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 it just plops down onto the uh, onto the floor as he goes uh into the kitchen and sees Graham Capone 
uh, I don't know, stirring a stew, you know, like a big old ladle, uh, <laughs> just uh, working on supper. And, um, uh, hey, hey, Graham. On the floor again, I see. Did you forget we have chairs? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'll go pick it up. I, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm a little, I'm just a little distracted. That's all. Uh, um, and, and Chester goes up and like, you know, you got to imagine the, it's the classic thing of Chester, you know, he probably stands six foot something or other. And Graham Capone's probably like one of those, uh, four foot 10, uh, kind of scenarios and just like. He, uh, but he goes over and uh, gives her a hug, and and really, it's mo- it's more for his benefit than for her benefit, kind of a thing. Oh, um, ah, uh, is everything all right, my dear? Um, uh, no, um, the the ta- uh, the tape is erased. It's is uh, is the one for mom. Hmm. That's a shame. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. So, something went wrong in the run, and I, I think somehow it got erased because, because I'm messed up again. And Graham, mm-hmm. they, they, they want me to stay in the group, but I don't know. I feel like I'm gonna, I'm gonna mess it up for them. More than things are already messed up? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I, I almost did it right now. I, I almost uh, b- broadcast to everybody, like, what Miper's doing and how, how it's... How, and how we're going to try to stop them and everything. And Oh, I don't know if I should have told you that. You're going to try to stop Miper? What is old Triss up to this time? Um, I think she's she's going to try to um, do a bunch of mining in other dimensions and, you know, take all her resources or something. And you and your friends don't want her to do that, I take it. No, I, I mean, that, that doesn't seem like a good idea. We, we were looking at Vestige and it's just, it's just like a wasteland now, and... She's going to do that there. And, um, you're not sure if you're up to the challenge? Look, I, I know, I know I'm going to, I'm good in a fight, but this is, you know, uh, Miper has a whole bunch of stuff going on. There's, and, and they have, there's a whole lot of technology and sometimes I don't understand it and, if, and I almost screwed up this time. If they're using technology... To their advantage. And your advantage comes in wrecking technology. Seems like you're the one who has the advantage in the end. That is actually a pretty good point. Um, I guess this is probably a good enough time to tell you that I, I, I was also the one that accidentally broke the lawnmower. Um, mm-hmm. You know you're supposed to clear rocks out of the lawn and I didn't and then... I broke the blade, so maybe you got a good point. Um, what? Why did uh? 
Why did you and Tristan not be friends anymore? Um, we wanted different things in the end. She wanted, well, to put it bluntly, to rule over everything, to get more. I wanted to be with everything. To be more. And in the end, that doesn't quite uh, line up. Yeah. Also, she's kind yeah. of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, as this conversation has been happening, Grand, Grand Poupon has been, like, idly stirring the stew. And during the part where she's recounting about Tristan, like, the stirring just gets faster and more forceful. Like, <laughs> no stew has ever been stirred as well as this stew. This stew is in no danger of burning. <laughs> But if you're asking me why I'm not friends with Tristan Voss, because you're not sure about your friends, I think you're comparing apples to oranges, my boy. Finally, an idiom that's a real idiom. (laughs) (laughs) The least insane thing Graham Capone has ever said. That's a strange one. I've never heard that one before. That must be a new one. Um... I got one more thing. I, you know Angus? He was the guy that stayed here for a while. I uh, remember. Yeah. Good cook. Yeah, he, I mean, he's been really upset at me. It's like he doesn't want to understand it from my my perspective. And I don't know what to do about that. Hmm. Well, maybe instead of trying to get him to see your perspective... It might be prudent to try and listen to his perspective. Like, yeah, I, he's very good at doing that. He's very good at uh, telling me how he feels. Ah. Well, I think perhaps another conversation is in order, my dear. Oh, boy. You know how I don't like talking? If Angus <laughs> is the friend that you want him to be, And I think he might be. He might just listen. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Thanks, Graham. I'll I'll go uh, pick up my armor. I want to skip forward in time here, because I think Chester does go pick his armor up off the floor, and Graham Capone continues to stir that stew, and and it's probably delicious, and, and, you know, they, they all enjoy it together, but I, I want to catch up with Chester a little later on. I want to see how this conversation with Angus goes. Yeah, I, I think it's maybe later that night, you know, Chester's coming up to the uh, the bleachers, and uh, maybe you can see, like, a little trail of smoke, uh, like, going up into the sky from behind the bleachers, and um, he... Uh, Chester's there, he's got his bandana on, he's got his hoodie on, he doesn't have like any of his equipment or anything. And uh, and I think I'll say this, uh, Angus is uh, similarly, you know, he's dressed for up for the cold weather, uh, and maybe it's your receptive ability that notices this, he's not wearing his white pumped up skip modes, he's wearing black winter boots. Oh. And he looks uh, nervous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey Angus. Uh, Thanks for coming to see me. Yeah. Uh, 
No problem. Hey, Look, I, I have a couple things that I need to say. Okay, yeah, you kind of beat me to that. You're really good at getting ahead of me, so go, yeah. Snake, yeah. snake, snake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do that, but I mean, if you want to, if you want to start, um. No, um. I don't know, I, I just, I just. Like Grant Capone said, um, maybe I should listen to my friend. So, here I am. That sounds weirdly salient for Graham Capone. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sometimes like sometimes it's just straightforward and those are the ones I forget typically, but she just said it to me, so it was right on the top of the head. Gotcha. Listen, um <laughs> I know that I haven't really given you an easy time with this whole uh, you leaving and you coming back thing. Um and 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 I want you to know that when I left my house and I didn't know where to go and I didn't know what to do, I came to you. And I came to you because I knew that I would be safe. I knew that I would be safer with you than in my own house. Can you imagine that? Um, no, not really. So to hear you thinking that you... you you're worried that you're going to put us in danger or that we're going to be... I, it, it just... It, it doesn't... It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. But the real thing that I want to say is... Um, God damn it. And he looks even more nervous now. <sighs> Takes another drag from his cigarette. <sighs> the real thing that I wanted to say is... Um, uh, jeez. Uh... It, it's Look, a... we're going up against Miper, right? Uh, and, um, you know, <laughs> this bridge is burning completely to ash. There is absolutely no bringing anything back with Miper. And honestly, good riddance. But because of that and, and your armor, you know, it's it's not tied to Miper anymore. I, 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 I cut, cut off the network. So there's nothing tying you to Miper anymore so there is nothing tying you to us you don't have to be here if you don't want to be here so if you don't damn it hey hey if you no if you don't want to be with weird gravity then you can go and it's and his hand balls up into a fist. It's fine. Did you think I wanted to leave your gravity? I don't know. No. It's not that I wanted to leave. Angus, I, I, I like hanging out with you. I had such a fun time when you're, you're over and we were trying to uh, do stunts in the backyard. We're going to make that new video series called Dumbasses, and we're going to sell them and, and become big. And look, I, uh, maybe we can still, still be- a good idea. I'm I know. It's, wanted it's, it's, on the record that that's a good idea. <laughs> and if slug blasting doesn't work out, which I hope it does, because I don't know what else I have, we got to come back to that idea. We'll okay? revisit it. That's a good idea. But Angus, I can see why you were hurt and why you. 
um, thought I was rejecting you, but that's not the case. I, I think you're great, and I want to be your friend. I know. Look, I know. I know all of that now. I, 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 I know that you leaving doesn't mean that you, I don't know, don't care or whatever. Um, so I'm trying to let you know that that's okay. God, that sucks. Um, sorry, no, you, you don't want to leave? No, I don't want to leave. I was trying to do what's best, and I see now that maybe it's best I, I stay with you guys and help out with well, where I can. And that's what you want? You're not just trying to, I don't know, hold the crew together for the sake of the crew? No. I, I'm i doing it because I want to be with you guys. And if you're willing to accept, you know, maybe I, I won't always be on the ball with things, then that's okay. Angus, you and I are kind of the same where we both kind of act tough. You know, we both kind of put on armor, but like an emotional armor. And underneath that armor, we're really still soft. I was scared that you guys were going to reject me like everybody else did when I would mess up real bad. (laughs) And I can see why you're maybe a little tender to people leaving you, but... Angus, I'm so sorry that you felt left alone. You're not alone. I'm going to be there for you, buddy. I love you, Angus. I think Angus goes up and he gives Chester a hug. And while, while they're still in that embrace, Angus says... I mean, if they can keep me around, I'm the biggest reject ever, so you're okay, buddy. I don't reject you. And uh, he gives a little extra squeeze. Aww. I think that's where we leave that scene. Um, What did we see there, Chester? Uh, That was Catharsis. Uh, Spend up to four style. Who helps you, Graham Capone, in this case? Uh, what do you understand now you didn't before? You know, that uh, he is accepted by the group in this case. And what will you change? I think he's going to help them uh, to the end and have a little bit more confidence that they're not just going to reject him because of his intelligence. So with that, I clear a couple of doom. Uh, I clear a fracture. And I mark one legacy. Nice. Oh, boy. Uh, I think this is the first time in a long time that Weird Gravity has had no fractures. <laughs> I think this also sort of follows in, in the sort of the final return back to Null after uh, everything on this run and, and talking with the Arborists in, in Thanish Spar. Uh, and Nick just kind of gets home and he he has like uh among his workstation on his desk he has a mount set out there and he once he's closed the door he unfolds the uh, mechanical pencil from behind his ear and sits the negatonomark 2 
up on top of this bracket and it's just sort of sitting there and he goes and takes a, a lie down on his bed and is kind of just staring over at it on the desk across the room. Yeah, I think maybe um, seeing that dagger in Thena's spar and, and having the High Forester kind of tell you about what that can do and whatnot has, has started to inspire Nick uh, to sort of upgrade the sword one more time. Um, seeing seeing the Arborists advanced technology and, and sort of the different approaches they have to things. And it's it's as you're thinking about that, that coincidentally enough, that orb that you got from the High Forester, um, it starts to like buzz. It's like vibrating, but really, really fast, uh, like like not a, not hard, but very fast to the point that it just kind of emits a buzz. And I think the first hurdle here is just figuring out like you you weren't told how to answer calls on this um or how to use it so it's just like a smooth orb that's buzzing and you're trying to find like a button or a or a switch or some way to sort of like accept this this call it's like one of those things you get at a restaurant when your table's ready it's doing that to you and you're just like i don't know what to do do i take it to the desk do i who needs this oh um um uh, no buttons uh uh open sesame um <laughs> uh, arborist jewel uh, uh, um, equinox. <laughs> uh, um, I think you're you're sort of turning it over in your hands, and and maybe you're not even sure what you did, but some combination of like twisting and and rotating, you manage to like separate one half from the other, and it sort of expands outward, and you hear, hello, hello, hello. Uh, and I guess does does Nick hold one of each half up to his ear in his mouth? <laughs> <laughs> the wrong halves. Yeah, yeah, you have to switch it hey, around. Hello? Oh, nope. Uh, uh, is is this it? Am I coming through? Hello, test, test, sibilance, uh, toast. Y- yes, <laughs> y- y- yes, your your forcedness. Um, hello. Sorry, sorry. I just I I wanted to check in and test the line to make sure you'd you'd be able to track us down and and. Well, I realized I I forgot to. Uh, you know, brief you on on some of this stuff. So, uh, if you if you still got that computer of of your father's handy there. Oh yes. Uh, give me one second, and <laughs> I guess Nick he can't just tuck a cell phone under under his ear between his shoulders. So he has to do that with one half and tuck the other half under his chin. <laughs> uh, and he goes and he digs underneath his bed and drags out the the old case that has the laptop, and he he plugs it in to start booting it up. All right, you're going to want to look for a certain subfolder here, and then once you've got it, I've, I've got a code um, for you. It, uh, let, let me know when you're ready. Um. <laughs> um, hmm, sorry, I'm, I'm looking. Um, anyway, he, he, he yeah, sorry. through this process. Uh, that was good Foley work. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, what you end up unlocking here is some of the, the locked secret files that, uh, that you're... Uh, your dad had been some of the information that was given to him by the arborist that they went ahead and and walled off on his hard drive here that that now you have access to um and i think in doing that you get some uh some information some schematics uh maybe some more more information on the the untethering and the dagger and how that all works and uh and in doing so you're inspired to uh to complete the final upgrade here and I think this is the point where I want to ask, what scene are we seeing? Yeah, uh, this uh, scene I bought is Full Realization, which is the final scene in the smart sort of uh, downtime track, uh, or smart specific, I should say. Uh, spend four style. Your idea comes together. Gain some kind of perk, opportunity, or a deus ex machina for you and your crew. 
clear one doom, mark one legacy, and gain a special. Perfect. And uh, Robin has been oh so gracious to allow me to I- interpret uh, the aspect of this within uh, gaining a perker opportunity or a deus ex machina, uh, mm-hmm. in the sense that the rest of this track had all been put toward uh, Nick's sword and developing the Negatana. Uh, this will allow me to unlock the final... God, what are these called? Abilities? <laughs> yeah, this is going to unlock both your final playbook special and your final sword uh, upgrade. Yes. I think you still have a power cell available, maybe. But yeah, your, your final big, cool upgrade for your sword. Um, so let us know what you've unlocked here. Yeah, so uh, within the playbook, that special will be lateral thinking. Uh, when you try to look cool with a creative approach, mark one style even on a failed roll. Glad I took that that one for generating style at the very end here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really need it for your tracks. <laughs> and then the ability for the Negatana is Subdimensional Edge. You can roll to temporarily slice entire dimensions off of a target, turning a 3D object 2D, <laughs> or removing someone from the time stream, for example. The target recoheres after a minute or two. It's not pleasant, but mostly harmless. <laughs> Oh my god, I can't wait to see you use this. And with that, (laughs) the Negatana is complete! Sweet. So you guys have some crew style to spend. Uh, You have a total of six right now, as well as any personal style that you want to put into crew endeavors. Yeah, I wanted to see, is there anything you want to unlock for Weird Gravity? Uh, You have several different things on on the famed track, uh, or you could just pump that all into the track and try to reach the next level. Uh, You are currently at major players, uh, making your way up to rising stars. Am I correct in understanding that our trip to Empyreon uh, last run was like one of the first times people from Null or at least Hillview went that far and went that route? Like, did we did we blaze that trail? Um, a little or bit, was yeah. It established. Like, you guys did spend your style to unlock that zone, so I think you may have blazed that trail. Yeah, Miper was saying that they didn't have a route, and I'm assuming once we sort of gave the info to them, that's how Lazy Bunny was able to get there as well. Yeah. Then I eponymous in that we we cracked the null to imperion route Ooh, i like that yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I like cost that. five style a root spot trick or something else is named after your crew long after you're gone people will be saying your name everyone marks one legacy so, so what is it the weird gravelly road <laughs> is it something to do with like cheesesteak grease <laughs> the grease, just call it the grease route take a ride on grease light and get there. <laughs> <laughs> or is it just take the weird way like when people when slug blasters talk about getting from Ooh, um, i like that yeah uh, from, take from the here weird to there, they're just like yeah you gotta take the weird the weird way or the weird route yeah Sweet, yeah. Mark off that five style in your crew style bank, uh, and everyone mark one legacy, um, which we're getting to near the end of the season here, where that might be relevant very soon. I just maxed out my legacy track. (laughs) Effortlessly cool, as always. Yeah. (laughs) Um... I, I'm getting very close to maxing out my legacy, and I've also almost maxed out my style. I've taken six style this run. Okay. Uh, and have no scenes to show for it. I'm just tacking on everyone else's scenes. So I think maybe what I might just do is dump out my six style 
into the crew track, if that's cool with folks. Yeah. Yeah, that's sick. Cool. Oh, you're so close. You're at the precipice of another fame level. So I think here at the end of the run, we find Weird Gravity uh, in the same place we found them at the very beginning, uh, in the back room of the video hut. Um, Nick has uh, given them access here. I don't even know if he's on shift, but it's uh, it's as good of a clandestine meeting spot as any. Um, and maybe you've met here specifically on like a, a weekday afternoon or something at, at a time when you know that there's going to be nobody in the store, so you'll have have total privacy. Nick offered to cover someone's shift just so they could like lock down the space. Nice. Oh, I love that. Uh, yeah, and Lake is Lake is here, and Lake is fuming. She, she's absolutely livid. Um, Nick, I am so sorry that I got us in league with the the devil. I mean, there, Miper is very well the last people who who saw your dad and. Like like the uh, the forester said, we we don't know for sure, but damn if that's not suspicious as heck. Like there's, there's you don't have to apologize for anything. I look, my Miper Miper is bigger than any of us in in such a way that I don't know how we could ever have seen it. Like even if we had refused to work with them, I, I'm sure they would have found some way to manipulate us in the long run. And I think what's important now is where we choose to go from here. Oh, you got that right, Buster. And she, like, pushes a bunch of stuff off the table uh, and slaps down uh, a, a Miper computer. Um, also, she is back to wearing her Panic uh, t-shirt. She is, <laughs> nice. she is no longer yeah. wearing the <laughs> Miper-branded stuff. She's like, y- you say that Miper's pretty big, but, you know, I've heard about this uh, real growing concern called Weird Gravity. They got a lot of pull, you know? They got a lot of influence on the old Miper, you know, they've literally got Tristan Voss's ear. So whether it's the, we go to find this research facility and, and get the logs out of Chester's armor, or whether we, you know, kick the door in and, uh, find out what happened to your dad right here on Null. I'm, my mom lied to me about a ding dang portal, uh, in the attic and I blew it up. So Tristan Voss has another thing coming. Who boy, I shouldn't have put my my trust in her, and she's like she's just approaching the point, like she's just starting to get that, like oh wow, her mom had her best interest in mind the whole time. Um, <laughs> but in this moment, she's just mad that another parental figure has uh, lied to her and led her astray. Uh, um, uh, Angus is seeing how angry Lake is, and that's why he's trying not to, to grin. <laughs> I see you. She without looking up from the computer, she's like, I see you smirking, Angus. Keep that up. And I, I got didn't another- do anything. I got, a, I got another uh, cheesesteak for you, uh, Dennis Barshan cheesesteak for you. Do not put me in your crosshairs like I do not want to cross you, please. <laughs> I beg you. So, Nick, it. I got. I gotta believe you want to find out about your dad, but you know this this pocket dimension thing. I'm. She like licks her lips. She's like, I I I wanna. <laughs> I wanna get right into the the belly of the beast with this. So, I think you've have got the most personal stakes to this. It, Nick, what do you, where do you think we should go next? I I don't really know. Just something just feels like the way everything's lined up, I, I don't I don't know if Miper's headquarters even holds any answers, but I if there's a chance I 
I feel like I have to go for it. Uh, Chester is like, we're in the back of the video hut, right? So mm-hmm. Chester is like, uh, happens to be like, with his receptive ability, spies <laughs> in, you know, the drop box or whatever. Return of the Jedi. And you're like, wait a minute. In this alternate timeline, it was actually yeah. named Revenge of the Jedi. Was, yeah, Revenge <laughs> of the Jedi. Um, wait a minute. And doing that whole thing of like looking at Revenge of the Jedi, looking over at uh, Nick, looking over at Lake, looking back at Revenge of the Jedi, uh, looking over at the Matrix, looking over <laughs> uh, <laughs> at, at his like hands and like his fingers and everything. Wait a minute. There's five of us, and we could do both of those things. We could, like, split up, and, you know, we could all work together to, to, to do it all. We could, we could do this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We've got the in. We can, we're, we're weird gravity. We're one of their assets. We can stroll in, if, if not to, to the research facility, then to the one here in Null. So that, that shouldn't be too hard. And If we manage to recover the data from, from Chester's armor... If there was any way to communicate that to the people in Miper headquarters, we could we could use their networks and broadcast it everywhere. Have them send out their own incriminating evidence, red-handed. <laughs> like Johnny <laughs> Mnemonic. <laughs> no? No I, one jumped on that this, movie? Okay. <laughs> I'm not a John Carpenter fan, sorry. <laughs> and I know, I'm aware. I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> but how do we decide who goes where? We can sleep on it, figure it out, but I, I, I like the sound of this plan in general. We're, we're going to stick it to Tristan Voss. Yeah. For what it's worth, Lake, hmm? I'm sorry this didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. I'm, I'm sorry I got us into this mess. Uh, if, if we can pull this off, I think we'll have no shortage of opportunities going forward. Yeah. Weird gravity on five? On, on, yeah, five. dead countdown for five. That's a totally normal way to do the hand thing. <laughs> why five? Like, I'll like... fast forward through the countdown anyway, but why five? Why are you dragging there, there's five, I'm just that's... excited, Angus. Come I on. It still seems like an odd number to choose. Um... Hands in on three, then. Ugh. Wait, are we still doing weird gravity, or are we just putting our hands in? Do... Or are we saying hands oh, you... in? <laughs> is it hands in on three and then we chit weird gravity on five? Is, is it do we say count? This goes in, on for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> Camera pans out the front window of the video. <laughs> I'm sure eventually they figure out how to rally, but but we leave them in that moment of confusion. Uh, what scene were we seeing there, Lake? That was Love Conquers All, the end of Lake's uh a track that started with a, a dalliance with Angus and has ended up with her absolutely in love with all four of them. <laughs> Spend for style, you make it right, you prove your loyalty, you do the brave thing. In this case, leverage our relationship with Miper to gut them from the inside for being planar destroying cretins. Uh, clear two doom, clear two fractures, uh, womp womp, those are already gone. <laughs> <laughs> Mark one legacy and gain a special. So maybe we can bank those negative fractures. Is that, a, is that an option? Uh, what playbook ability have you unlocked here? It's your last uh, one. I've only believe. got. I only got one left. Love and solder. Uh, you have a special connection to your signature device. You can, only you can use it. You can fix it anywhere and with anything. And if you're separated, it'll eventually be reunited. It loves you back. I get an extra dice. I get an extra die. Sorry. Uh, and I think uh, I think for this next run, Lake's gonna pull out. 
Old Faithful. I was going to say, do we see a short scene of Lake going to her closet and moving a pile of dirty laundry and and bringing out the original reality canon? I guess Old Unfaithful, it's, it's, you know, (laughs) (laughs) mutilated me once before, but, um, you know. She goes back and she she guts the Miper one to to put all those upgrades back on the classic. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I love that. Uh, And with that, I think we go to our final scene of the run. Deep in the heart of the Arborist's temple, a monk sits at a long stone table using sleek metallic instruments to solder and fuse together curved pieces of metal and glass, crafting an orb that, when unleashed in battle, will devastate its opponent. The first monk passes their orb off to a second walking by, who loads it into a satchel before passing it to a third. The room is crowded with arborists, each carrying out their own individual role, but all moving as one, like a hive, readying themselves, preparing for the conflict ahead. Standing in the doorway, the high forester oversees the process, a look of stern resignation on his face. And in that exact same moment, many miles and several realities away, a single red light flickers to life, faintly illuminating the silhouette of a robot that has just begun to power up. The first light is followed shortly by another, and another, then hundreds more, clicking on in rapid succession. The faint red glow in the room gets brighter and brighter, as all the while, a low electronic hum gets louder and louder, like distant thunder drawing ever nearer. (laughs) 